you're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Ahmed Munawar, and today we have Mr. Jeff Molander on the show. Jeff is... Someone I've been following for quite a while, been paying attention to his work for quite a while, and I found him to be one of the most innovative thinkers in the realm of sales prospecting and sales outreach. I'll tell you why. There's a lot of very tired sales tactics out there, and a lot of what people are teaching are tired tactics that don't work anymore and have been done to death and, frankly, don't respect the buyer's time and the buyer's attention and the buyer's integrity. And that's what I love about Jeff Molander is that he has a completely different approach, something that you probably haven't heard of before, uh, haven't seen before. And it's an approach that works. It's an approach that respects the buyer's intelligence and their time and their integrity and also respects your integrity and maintains your posture as the expert in the room when you conduct sales outreach and I've seen very few people articulate an approach to doing this kind of outreach in the way that Jeff Molander has. And that's why I'm excited to bring him on the show. So you're going to get to that in just a second. Before I let you get to that, though, got a brand new workshop that we just launched. For those of you who are consultants and professional service providers, and you're tired of kind of you know, running that consulting service business rat race, right? Where you have clients and you do work and then you lose clients and you get more clients and then you do work and then you lose them. And then you just keep like spinning on that hamster wheel over and over and over again, never really building a consistent and predictable pipeline for your business. If that's you, you're going to want to check out my brand new workshop that goes in depth to a step-by-step process that you can use to generate a consistent flow of five and six figure consulting deals for your business. You can grab that workshop over at forecast.fm slash workshop. That's forecast.fm slash workshop. With that, here is my good friend, Jeff Molander. Let's start here, Jeff. Uh, For those who don't know who you are, tell us uh, your quick backstory. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Well, as a guy who teaches not to talk about yourself as a way to start conversations with people, that's a funny way. Yeah, so I'll make it short. Uh, that's kind of my nature is humble. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a salesperson and I used to be a marketing person. And then I one day realized, you know, I, I wanted to experience what it would be like to have the opportunity to have in a, a salary level that just is, you know, associated with uh, with commissions, right? You can make as, as, as much as you uh, want and and deserve. And you're, um, I was listening to, to Tom Poland's interview uh, and, you know, he uses the accountability word, right? You're accountable, right? You're, and, and I guess that's why I'm a business and in my business for myself right now. But yeah, I'm a salesperson. I cut my teeth in marketing, public relations, that kind of thing. But I quickly got into sales and I love it. I love the challenge. I had some great mentors, and who taught me how to start conversations and qualify conversations as quickly as possible. And I grew up um, right at, at the edge of, I guess, when the fax machine, you know, when I was in my first sales gigs, you know, there were these things called fax machines and there was email, uh, but it was pretty new. 
So starting conversations using the phone and using email is something that I, I was right, I guess, in the early days of email, using email as a professional tool. So, but I'm a salesperson. That's right. what, what industry or industries did you come up in, in sales? Well, I worked for a video production. I come from a video production background, but I quickly wanted to get into sales. Again, there's that unlimited earnings potential, right? So I worked a lot in that industry. So selling corporate video uh, meetings. And I don't know if you remember audiovisual, you know, slide machines and, and multi-image slides. <laughs> I don't know if you, how old you are, Hamid, but, uh, you know, there used to be these big corporate engagements where you'd get your 200 or 2,000 employees together and there'd be images flashing up on the screen and they would animate, but they were done with slide machines, right? There was no, there were no video projectors in, in these days. Yeah, I'm that old. I remember. But, uh, I'm old enough to remember that. Probably not old enough to sell them though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, but professional services, right? So I, I come from a background and I've always been in professional services. I did do some time at like, do you remember Silo or Fretter? You know, the, when this is pre-Best Buy. Um, so I did floor sales because I was told if it was going to get into sales for a professional services company that I had to do floor sales because that's the real sales, right? So interesting. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, professional services my whole life, really. Tell me the story of when Jeff Molander decided that he could go out on his own and become a consultant. What did that look like? How did that work? Oh, it was ugly. Um, I was very tired of working for both people in the corporate environment that I threatened, frankly, and I had to bear the consequence of that. And uh, then I went to work for a husband and wife team in the video production industry with a very successful company who was looking for a general manager type person. But when I started you know, they wanted to spend more time with their kids and those kind of things. But when I started ordering office supplies, they freaked out. <laughs> All I was doing was ordering office supplies. I said, okay, well, they said, well, but maybe we're not sure about you being a general manager. I said, why? I said, well, was it the office supply thing? I guess so they just couldn't <laughs> let go of, you know, and I know what that's like too. I'm going through that right now, actually letting go. Well, what did you order? Yeah, not that much. I don't know. <laughs> office supplies. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, but I, I quickly found myself out of a job. And I'm like, well, I'd never been, you know, out of a job before so quickly. This was like three weeks. And I thought, well, uh, you know, let's, how about that consulting thing? So uh, yeah, I, that professional services thing, I thought I knew something about uh, the internet. And uh, I was going to help people as a, uh, as a consultant. Uh, I took off six months and, and I learned, you know, this, this was, this is 1998, I think, Ahmed. So, and, um, and then I went into business for myself and I fooled around for the first couple of years. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I, I got hooked up with other management consultant types and, uh, I got some work out of that actually. But, um, yeah, so that was how it, it, it was, it was not, it was not pretty. <laughs> It, it rarely is. And that's, that's the honest truth of it is I think for most people, if they're honest, it starts out with, well, how about that consulting thing? Because corporate's just a disaster and yeah. it's not working out for me and I'm a square peg in a round hole. And how about that consulting thing? And that the early years are usually very instructive. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing today. I want to just kind of capture, you know, yeah. that, that journey and then we'll, we'll jump into the topic for today after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I fell in love with the concept a few years ago of, you know, selling knowledge based on what you're really good at. And it took me a while to get there that, you know, I, I wasn't that great of a marketing person, but I am a very good salesperson and I spent some time, a lot of time selling 
and I was quite good at it. And I realized recently that that's what people need help with, in particular, the part with starting conversations. And I, I guess I undervalued my, my expertise. Once I realized that that was valuable, God, I mean, it's so hard to package it up, right? Price it and then go out and sell it or market it. It's just a lot of work. So You, you, you said something there that every consultant who's listening has experienced, at least one side of it, which is that you were undervaluing your expertise and you got to a place where you began to see the value. What did that look like? Do you remember, was there a moment in time where you realized, you know what, I'm, I'm underselling myself here? Well, yeah, when, when my clients started telling me what they were achieving, <laughs> it based on my blog, I'm like, <laughs> you know, and over and over and over, I finally got in, infuriated with myself. At the, and, and, you know, I, I hired a virtual assistant and he kept telling me, you're, you're giving away way too much information. So I think that there's this, there are a lot of people out there who are taking a lot of people's money saying that you got to give away everything. You don't. <laughs> so I think you understand that, but you yeah. do have to make it. And this gets to our conversation today. It's you, you do have to compel people with, you know, your knowledge expertise, but you have to allow them to, f to feel compelled. You can't try to, you know, speak to them in a compelling way because that's, that's, that's just going to push them away. So you, you've got to find a way to pull and to attract people to you. And oftentimes what that is, amounts to is, you know, saying less. Not necessarily being humble, but just saying less and thinking about what you're going to share and when you're going to share it and holding something back and, and being okay with that. <laughs> I'm laughing because just this morning on a coaching call with my clients, I said the words, Half of marketing is withholding information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I literally just said, people don't realize how valuable that is. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be said about marketing and social media and content creation. I know there's this whole movement around just give it all away. Just give it all away. And then that'll somehow compel people to work with you. <sighs> but yes. no, there's a lot that can be said about withholding information. Because first of all, I mean, it's not like all the information in the world is going to save people. If I need help with sales, it's probably not because I don't have Jeff's templates. It's probably something more serious going on, right? So the information is not necessarily going to save them or help them. And secondly, what happens when you give away all your information? You look like a tactician. You look like somebody who just knows how to work a few tactics. That's very, very true. Very true. And that, that is what I found quickly. Again, it's like, well, yeah, I'm helping them with those tactics, but what they're achieving is strategic. And I realized, then you realize that you're underpricing yourself oftentimes, not always, but you might realize that as well. Well, classic example, and I think you and I are aligned on this, is for my clients, a big part of what they do is on LinkedIn. You will very rarely see me talking about LinkedIn publicly, tactically, even strategically, because I know as soon as I get into that conversation, that devalues my positioning to that of a LinkedIn guru, and of which there are a dime a dozen. Yes, right. Right. You've got to be sensitive to that. Absolutely. So, Jeff, let's jump in here. The reason why we're having this conversation is because I've been following you for, for I think, years now, probably. Um, I've sent clients to you. I've been through some of your programs. And I have yet to see anybody articulate a process and approach to starting conversations with prospects that I felt comfortable with. And that's a big statement to make, right? But it's true because most of what I see coming out of the sales world is 
very aggressive. Um, it's very focused on getting the conversation at all costs. And it doesn't, it doesn't bear in mind the nuances of selling a consulting or professional service because it's typically not made for those people. It's made for professional commission salespeople. My clients, my listeners, my audience, these are people selling a service of their own. They're going to sell and they're going to deliver. It's very important for them to be able to reach out and communicate with prospects in a way that maintains the expert position, right? So the mantra that I teach my clients is clients need you more than you need them. And you've got to enter the sales conversation with that mindset. Easier said than done. So what I'm looking for with you, Jeff, is if we can get into, you know, what does that look like? How do we start conversations with prospects that are busy? right? They're, they're CEOs, they're executives, you know, small companies, large companies, they're busy, they're busy, busy people, right? How do we start conversations with them that engage them without giving away our position as the expert in the room? Well, that's, yeah, that, that comes when, once you've got their attention and you've got the conversation, right? Mostly. But getting them, you know, getting it started, you know, basically it, there's a big difference between sales and marketing when you're calling on the phone and you get someone on the, uh, who's calling you and they're reading a script that's marketing. That ain't sales. Hmm. I mean, it's, it is marketing because the script was, it's was written by a marketer. And when I say script, I mean, literally script because some, you know, you can use the word script and oftentimes a, a good salesperson will use what they call a script but that script is just a gut. Those are guidelines. They're not reading it, but they're, they're being guided by it. So, you know, we're, we're becoming very good as, um, you know, everybody on the planet, no matter what continent they're on, is becoming very good at identifying very quickly what a marketing pitch sounds like. So that's half of the problem is we're, you know, people are very good at, at pulling it out. So, what we found is that, you know, human beings value more what they ask for and they value less what is being pushed at them or what, what's being offered freely to them. So, you know, if you think about it in your life, you value more what you ask people for and you value less what people push at you or offer you freely. But yet when you go on LinkedIn or, you know, you look at your email and you're sending emails to people trying to start conversations, typically you're talking you're giving away your ebook, you're talking about yourself, you're talking about your client list. Oh, here's some research that shows that you should really start a, you know, you should have a conversation with me. Here's some third party research, Mr. or Ms. Client that says, you know, you have a problem. Well, why do we do that? Well, we, we push that third party research because we're, we're basically sending the message to the client. Well, you are not going to believe me. So here's some third party research that I'm out to convince you. So I'm um, everything that I see out there that is the, the problem for most professional services people is they're, they're talking about themselves, they're talking about their clients, and nobody really cares about that in terms of a conversation starter. It, it doesn't so where, Where's that coming from? Because you're right. And let's, let's acknowledge where that's coming from so that I, you know, we can get into why it's a mistake and, and the better way to do it. I think where that's coming from is people feel like they need to have some kind of context for the conversation. So I can't just uh, I can't yeah, right, just send a LinkedIn right. message or email 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 a prospect saying hey what what's your biggest problem because <laughs> they're not likely to respond to that so I need some kind of a context either through some content that I created or some third party research or some kind right. of conversation starter is that a mistake right all all of those devices are devices and they all say one thing to the prospect 
the person who's sending me this email doesn't know jack about me or my business and doesn't care in fact doesn't care about me or my business because if they did they would have taken five minutes or 10 minutes or even some of our clients take 30 minutes to perform the requisite research because once you've written an email or you pick up the phone you make a cold call and you say hey i happen to know this this and this about you and I think that the, there may be a reason for us to have a conversation based on my knowledge about you. It, it's a game changer. Can we get into that? What, what does that look like? And, and, and I think you're right because people are maybe listening to this and thinking, well, 30 minutes, Jeff, on research. Well, look, if a deal is worth 40, 50, $60,000 to you, right. Right, you're not going to spend 30 minutes planning your approach. So I, I'm with you 100%. But what does that look like? Yeah, not all deals are, are worth that much. And there are people who are in, you know, look, we, we have to send out large numbers of emails to larger numbers of people in, in search of people who will spend, you know, $500 with us. But then again, right, we want people who will spend $50,000. So you've got to have a different approach. We call it a tailored approach to the, to the larger uh, lifetime value customers of the lar larger ticket you know, the $50,000 people, they get a tailored, highly researched email that's very short and says to the other person, this person took five minutes to 30 minutes to, to know these three things or to make these insights. Maybe mm -hmm. even to talk to a subordinate of, of the person you're calling on or two or three to garner some information, going into an annual, annual report of a public company. Um, something that shows that you've taken, you've made some effort to not look like everybody else who's coming in into the inbox. But then again, recognizing that, you know, we have these, maybe you need, you, you've set the goal of 100 uh, emails out or 100 new prospects to contact this week about something that's lower cost. There has to be a way, and there are ways that we teach to, as an example, uh, uh, geo, geography and geolocation. So if you're calling on people in the city of Toronto, then you're going to be smart to work that geography into your very short message, even though you're not going to have the time to put in that little bit of research, that nugget of information that proves to them that you've done some research on them. There are other techniques that, that we can use that our clients use that will um, help you stand out from all the other people who are flowing into your target's inbox. Well, one thing right off the bat, I'm glad you touched on this. It, it bothers me to no end. I get very frustrated by a lot of the sales advice out there in the market, not yours, but the, you know, the kind of the mainstream gurus, because a lot of them are saying things like, you know, always go straight to the decision maker. You're wasting your time by talking to people that are not, not pulling the trigger. Okay, well, if you're targeting the, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or what, Fortune 1000, whatever, but CEO of a big company, right? And you don't have a direct in to the CEO and he's got about 10 gatekeepers, okay? Good luck having that conversation. Mm -hmm, sure. Right? Whereas, you know, his VP of finance or, you know, VP of operations or director of this, that, and the other, they tend to be much more approachable. And in fact, they have all the data <laughs> that you need to go and make your case to the CEO. So if I'm taking a long-term view on this and I want this deal and it's not just another prospect without a face or a name, right? I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to the five or six different people in the organization I can get my hands on, Right to paint the picture of what's actually going on. And maybe the, the operations guy will say, well, look, here's the thing. Product delivery is a big issue for us. And the finance guy will say something else. And this person will say something else. And now I've got this really colorful picture, right. but I can use, and I can go to the CEO and say, hey, I've been talking to everybody on your team. Here's what they're saying. 
if this is a concern for you, you should probably have a conversation. Yeah, that's that's what I'm describing. And it doesn't have it could be the vice president of HR who is your your end target. But you want to talk to the the people who who are um, working for that vice president of HR and gather up that information, gather up those insights and then come with a message that demonstrates that you've done that work. And that's, you know, maybe 5% of salespeople or small business owners will actually do that. Yeah, I love that. Others won't. So let me ask you this. I think it'd be helpful to, to understand the, the psyche and the mindset of the prospect. If, if I'm a prospect and let's say I hear from you, Jeff, and you're trying, to, you're trying to sell me something, but you make your first approach, what do I need to see in your approach to compel a response? What would the re- recipient need to see? Yeah, I think from, from the prospect's perspective, right? Like what compels yeah. somebody to respond to an outreach or an email or a LinkedIn message from uh, something they've heard of before? Length, first of all, they shouldn't have to scroll on their mobile device. And everybody is, I mean, you can read all the data, right? Um, and I mean, you've read it, everybody's heard it. It's, it's either 85 to 95%, mm. right, in the business world. It's all on the mobile. Running in between meetings, they're on mobile. So if they've got to use their thumb to scroll down, you're done. So length, and, and that, again, helps separate you out so you don't look like everybody else. And the rest of it is, you know, showing your, that you've done the research, showing that you've done the homework. Or we have some clients who do very well by asking what we call a facilitative question and nothing else. So by this, we mean, it, it's, it's a, if I ask you, Ahmed, how, you know, are you getting enough leads in your business? Now, you know why I'm asking you that, that question, right? Mm. It's to sell you leads. Right? Um, it's a, there's only one way of answering that question, right? Nobody could ever have enough leads, right? So if you ask somebody a question that's leading them toward, you know, your thing that you want to, your, your conversation about selling them something, they know what those type of questions sound like. Mm. However, you know, there are, there are ways to structure your question that, will focus the client on the current status quo situation in their business. Mm. So if maybe I were to ask you, Ahmed, at what, what would cause you to consider a different way to generate leads for your business? It's clear I want to talk to you about lead generation at your business, but what isn't clear is, are you trying to sell me something? Because you're not. You're just trying to sell the idea of a conversation, right? So are, you know, are you open to having a conversation about how you generate leads for your business? That's a yes or no question. But what would cause you to, you know, to change, to consider changing the way that you do lead generation at your business? That's a very inward directed question. Do you see the difference between that and leading someone toward an answer that you want so you can sell them something? <laughs> yeah. So in the, in the first question, you know, are you getting enough leads for your business? I know that whatever I say can and will be held against me in the sales conversation, right? <laughs> if, I right. Just say, if I say yes, right, you're going to use that against me. You're going to get me into a conversation. Uh, and so I'm, I'm likely to just kind of respond, especially in that example, because everyone's saying that. But in, in, the, in the latter example, what would cause me to, re, to consider a different way of generating leads, what it forces me to think about is, what about the way I'm generating leads right now? Is, is anything broken? Is everything okay? Am I happy with it? Am I not happy with it? And if I wasn't right. happy with it, what would cause me to reconsider? And it causes a little bit of introspection and reflection. Right. It immediately makes me respect you a little bit more because no salesperson ever made me think, 
right? Not asking, right? Not asking you for a meeting. Yeah. Not asking you a, a hook question that's going to set you up for a conversation that you're just not going to answer the question. You're just going to hit delete because you see those questions all day long. Yeah. And you can't hook someone into a conversation. People call me all the time. Like I need a good hook. I'm like, God, no, you mm. don't need a hook. What you need is to stop selling. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, yeah. People say that, you know, but so how do you do that? Well, ask for the conversation about a potential meeting and then tell them that they have the choice of having the meeting with you or not actually say that to them. You know, give them the, tell them that you're at peace in one sentence, you know, that with, you know, this is up to you to have this conversation or not. I recognize that. that. That's another, you know, mental trigger that you can use that, you know, that helps people open up and think, well, wow, this guy's at peace with the fact that I could delete him. It's, it's, it's that kind of tone. So you were asking what, what, what's going to, help people. What do people need to see? They need to see that you're not like everybody else. Well, what does that mean? Short, uh, you're not asking self-centered questions. You're not touting your, uh, your client list. You're not pushing third-party research. You're not trying to look credible. People say to me all the time, well, well I have to look credible on the first email. Otherwise, they're not going to. I said, no, you don't. You have to look provocative. You don't have to look provocative. You have to be provocative to provoke the conversation, <clears throat> you, you know, looking credible comes later when they're, when, when they're saying, Hmm, I wonder if I should do business with this man or woman, right? <laughs> That's later. So the more that you think out of the box in terms of how to start a conversation without, without looking credible, well, you have, you know, you've got your signature, you've got the company name, you know, whatever. But if you're a, if you're a small business owner, again, you know, I think it's that I got to look credible. Next thing you know, you start writing to persuade and you start talking in a persuasive way. And that's when people turn out, turn out, tune out. It's, it's interesting. I think at a meta level, this is kind of what happened in our relationship. And I don't think it was a tactic that you were employing. I think this is just naturally how you communicate. I think you've kind of just embodied this in many ways. I remember you reached out to me. We'd, we'd been going back and forth, uh, LinkedIn email. And you sent me a note. Uh, this is about a year ago, probably. I don't know if you remember this. You sent me a note saying, in the, and the title was one of my podcast interviews. And he said, listening to this podcast interview and something about it tells me that, you know, we should be having a deeper conversation, something like that. No real call to action. It's a very genuine, thoughtful email, right? You've done your homework. And um, I remember that clearly up until now. I remember that. And you've been more on my radar since then. And I've been following. Yeah, because I showed you that I, yeah. there's, I actually took the time to understand something. Unfortunately, I mean, what we're seeing is now artificial intelligence is going out there and grabbing, you know, something off your LinkedIn profile, off of your website, sticking it into an email and saying, yeah, I saw that you said this. <laughs> so therefore, and then here comes the, you know, here comes the sales pitch. That doesn't work. Yeah. You know, what does work is that, you know, I had, there was some, I hope that I'd written to you that, you know, you said this, or you had a guest on who said that, and mm -hmm. this is, you know, my interpretation of that, you know, there has to be some value add to. Yeah. Uh, authenticity, I guess, is, you know, in order to be authentic, you can't just parrot back what, what you've heard or read. No, contrast that with the, the many pitches I get for people to come on this show. Right. Which are exactly how the sales pitches you're describing sound. Right. It's they're trying to look credible. They're listening to me all the different shows they've been on. They've got these like very tidy, you know, media profile sheets. 
And look, it can work. I'm not saying it can't work, but after a while, they all pretty much look and sound the same. They're all being sent by the same two or three companies, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So most of them I ignore and not because they're not good guests. And this is, I think, the thing that people need to understand is you're going to get ignored most of the time, not because you're not good at what you do or they don't need your help, just because the packaging is off, right? These may be good guests who maybe I should have on my show. But when I see something that I've, I've heard before, I've seen before, it all kind of looks and sounds the same, doesn't provoke any kind of response. I'm not going to respond. But when Jeff sends me a very personal, you know, brief, blunt, basic right, kind of message, right? Hey, I saw this. I took the time. I, I listened to this and I liked it for this reason. Leaves a thoughtful comment. Jeff's someone I'm paying attention to now. All the other people that templated out a message to me, I can't even remember their names. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a monkey see, monkey do effect going on here too, because all of us, you know, professional services people, sales reps, doesn't matter who you are, you, you get the crap. The crap is coming into all of our inboxes and it all looks the same. And I think there is a certain degree of, it, well, I guess that must work, so I'll do it too. Those are the sources of our inspiration and is, is the stuff that doesn't work because there's so much of it, we figure, oh, it must work. Well, if you're going to be happy with, I mean, you're not even getting 2% right now with just sending out massive amounts of email marketing style, sales reps and small business owners. They're not even getting 2% these days. Yeah. So, Jeff, let me ask you this. If, if I'm a consultant, a service provider, I'm trying to sell into corporate or, you know, mid-market companies, whatever it may be, what, what is something really practical and actionable I can start doing immediately to get better results from? from Read your stuff? email out loud. <laughs> and notice that it's, uh, and, and do it in, in your best radio announcer voice. No, seriously, this is the, you know, it took me a long time to figure out that most of the problem here is when people, you know, come and they practice what, what our clients have called spark selling, because what we teach is a, in essence, a methodology to spark the customer's curiosity by being shorter, by asking questions that help them introspect and getting them curious about you is, um, I'm sorry, I've totally lost track of your question. Your, your question was, what can we do to get better response? Oh, what can we do to get better response? Well, we, we need to get much shorter and talk less about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, t talk less about ourselves and prove that we've done our homework on the prospect, not, and, and not, not push information at our prospect, not attempt to uh, look credible, not attempt to persuade, use very few, if any, adjectives and adverbs. I'm just going to give you a bunch of different things. But at the, at the end of the day, if you take your email and you read it out loud to yourself, you become aware of how you sound. And people, for whatever reason, are, none of our students, none of them can do it very effectively when they're reading it. Hmm. They can't read it. And they send, the, they, they, they learn our technique and they say, okay, here, here's what I wrote. And then I will send back, I'll do I'll grab the microphone and I'll read it in my best radio announcer voice because it sounds like a TV spot or a radio spot that they've written. <laughs> it's horrible, right? And literally like a spot. One day it just jumped out and I'm like, this sounds like a TV spot. So <laughs> that's the best thing you can do and play it back for yourself. And it's, you know, if it sounds like a radio announcer, it's just not going to work. But otherwise, brief, blunt, basic, cut it way back. Do not talk about yourself. 
but it really does depend on you know if you're sending one to many emails or if you're sending one to one if you're going for um a conversation with a real with a business owner or a top executive and that kind of thing you've really got to do the research there's no way around uh, not doing the research and pr and making it very clear to them that i've done the research on you before i've reached out here so let me ask you this this whole thing about you know you, you don't need to appear credible on the front end what are we saying here when does that become important you do you do have to be it's it's kind of a it's difficult to to describe but what 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 i'm trying to describe is in terms of advice if you start by thinking to yourself well i have to say something that's going to create this effect of my being credible mm -hmm. that's that mind frame you're going to start to try to persuade people no matter what you write you're going to try to persuade people it doesn't matter because you're in the wrong mind frame so what i'm suggesting is the better mind frame is, okay, what matters to this person, duh, Molander, right? What matters to them? And then strip it way back. And if you don't know what matters to them, ask them one of these facilitative questions that would cause them to stop and go, well, what kind of a question is that? And that is the kind of response that many of our clients get when they're sending to a CEO or a business owner or a VP they ask them one of these questions that causes them to introspect on their current situation. And like, what, and the response back is, yeah, I get, I get, yeah, we don't have a, a path for that. I don't have an answer for that. What are you getting at? Can you help with that? Mm. What's the, what's the point? So that's what I mean by now you're into the conversation. You have the opportunity. You've just earned the opportunity, even though all you've done is, is one of our clients a long time ago said, what it really is almost like is an irritation. You're kind of creating an irritation and they're firing back on their mobile device. What, what is this about? Yes. Yes. You know, I had a... Some of our clients go, you've got me. Because they know, they come to the site, they click on my URL and they go, oh, and they're like, Molander, because there's a VP of sales or something like that. It's like, you got me. I see. You, you teach this stuff. Can you, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So it's funny. I had a, a couple of quick stories here. I got a, had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a, with a consultant who wasn't trying to pitch me, but I, I found her on LinkedIn and she was in an area that I wanted to explore. And we had a quick back and forth conversation on Messenger. And she was basically saying that the way you're thinking about this is broken. That was her feedback to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to talk to this woman. <laughs> right? Like, what has she got? Oh, no, 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 no. This is where you walked in to someone's office, right? In your um, office sharing space. Is that the woman you're talking about? No, 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 no. That's another story. That's another story. Okay. This is, a, this is a messenger conversation. I didn't know her from a can of paint, oh, but, okay. but I found her on LinkedIn. I thought she was interesting. And yeah. we're talking and she's, and she's telling me basically in a, in a nice way that the way you're looking at this is totally broken. I don't know if I can help you, but this is an issue for you. And I was just obsessed. I'm like, what, what is broken? I couldn't get over it. I thought about it at night. I talked to my wife about it. I talked to my assistant the next day. What has she got that I don't have? I was compelled to engage with her. And I was asking her for the conversation by the end of it. So, so she stopped. She didn't give you. No. What was, okay. Did you, no. but you didn't ask her. Well, in a roundabout way, I tried to get her, you know, get some, some more. Ah, but she held back. But she held back. Until the conversation. And I don't even know if it was a tactic, right? But it, it mm -hmm. you know, dawned upon me that, you know, when you, the idea of irritating, right? Not yeah. in a bad way, right? But just kind of like <clears throat> stirring something up inside the prospect by asking the right question, right? It creates an open loop. 
yeah, this, this is a great example of what most people do once they've got the response. So, so she said to you, 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 it's, you, you, you've got your head screwed on wrong. It's broken. You're not thinking about this correctly. What she could have done it. What most people do is they start explaining. And that's exactly what you don't want to do. Do this instead. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As someone who has spent years, I'll admit years doing it. I have quickly come to stop doing that and making a lot more money doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other really important lesson here, Jeff, and this is another quick story for you is I was talking to a client last week. Okay. This is a client that had gotten on some 40 to 50 sales calls and had not had a single close. Okay. Really bad streak, right? For a new offer. So he was still trying to figure out how to sell the offer, but really bad streak. And um, we were talking and what I found was he had a really strong need for the sale. He was showing up on these calls and he needed the sale. He was attached to the outcome. So we coached him through how to detach, right? And literally the next call he got on, it was, we talked at 3.30, he got on a call at four. He went in detached and he told me, he sold this, he he closed the sale. And he told me that he was actively trying to disqualify the person. He said, you know what? You're not a good fit. You're not a good fit. You're not a good fit. And the prospect responded with, no, 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 I am a good fit and here's why. And they closed right? Because he detached himself from the outcome. And that reminds me of of, of what you're saying here is, you know, when your outreach, when it looks like you're trying to sell, you looks like you're trying to persuade. What does that tell people? Oh, they need this. You're needy. Yeah. They need this. Yeah. How do we feel about people that need something from us? Not very good. Right. But when somebody comes in who clearly doesn't need anything, whether that's in the first message or in the sales conversation, they don't need this. Yeah. Doesn't really affect them in a meaningful, tangible way. We're drawn to those people. Yep. We want to work with people who don't need us. Yep. It's they got something that we need. That's the game changer. I didn't know you, you, you taught that. That's awesome that you're helping people with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, for us, I mean, the the number one, the number one principle for a sales conversation that we teach is detachment. You go in and you need the sale, you're dead in the water. Yeah. That's, that translates directly to when I say you, you put the, credibility hat on, you put the, I'm going to persuade them hat on, you start writing like you need this because you do need this. That's where you're coming from. You're coming from need. And we all need, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a very, it's not a good point uh, to start from in terms of negotiating or uh, initiating a conversation. Yeah. It's just like you said, no one, it's like dating, right? If you, you, you sit across from someone like I met my wife online and I sat across from her in a restaurant after a few weeks and you know, I had learned by then to, to shut up and speak less, right? Because you have the opportunity to create, um, you, you don't look, first of all, you don't look needy. And there's that opportunity where the other person gets to ask questions because they're curious. But if you don't allow them to be curious, you're done. You're yeah. selling yourself even, you know, so it's the same thing as, as if you're good at dating, which I wasn't for a long time, then you, then you'd be, you'll be great in sales, but uh, yeah, wonderful that you teach that. That's, um, well, so what I'm taking away from this Molander among other things is, is that, you know, when you do that initial outreach, you don't even know if they have a problem. You don't even know if there's even an opportunity to have a deeper conversation. What you're doing is you're floating out there a facilitative question that gets them to introspect. And if there is something, then they might respond. If there isn't something, they won't respond. And that's okay because 
but the nature of the the introspective question does need to be remotely possible, mm-hmm. right? Irrelevant. Irrelevant, I guess, is the word. Yeah. So there needs to be a reason. But yes, yes. Got it. So that's that's the big hurdle for many people. It, which what you just said is I don't know where to, what matters to them. Well, then I can't help you. Right. You, know, you 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 got to you've got to understand what in the realm of, and there are ways to to ask the introspective questions to get that information back. But you've got to do the research either way on on the prospect on the target. Well, I, I mean, I would think you need to know what your market cares about as a whole, right? And if you're serving anybody and everybody, well, that's what I help clients with is positioning. That's going to be a that's going to be a struggle, right? But you got to know what your market cares about as a whole. What are the what are the top button issues for CEOs or you know directors of HR in in your industry, right? But then be able to dial down and make that meaningful by making it personal. But all yeah. that specific person at that specific company. Um, so your initial guess, I would think, comes from your understanding of the market and what the challenges are in the yeah. market. Yeah, right? it, but sending one personal. sending one message to many people in general is getting harder and harder over time. Yeah, that's why what we recommend is it, even if it's five to ten minutes of of research to do on your target, you've got to do it. Otherwise, you're just yeah. gonna you're not gonna get through. If you get through the spam filters, <laughs> you know you often get marked as spam by the human beings because they're like, okay, they all look the same. They're all talking about their client list. They're all pushing research. They're all, you know, looking for meetings and you should never, that's another thing that, you know, I would like, I'll close with don't ever ask for a meeting in your cold email. It's almost never appropriate. Yes. Do not do it. It screams need. One more quick thing I want to get into, and I wasn't planning on this, but you brought, you just brought something up that raised a question in my mind. I know email is a, a, a big part of, your approach um, to, to outreach and prospecting. Certainly in Europe, obviously that's becoming more and more challenging in Canada as well. You know, cold emails is problematic. What do you recommend in those contexts? The context of Canada, uh, Europe, where cold emails is going to yeah. be a, a big issue. Yeah. Oh, you mean with the CASL laws yeah. and, and all yeah. that? Yeah. Well, the, the States, GDPR. we have this issue. Yeah. GDPR. And then even the Australians, they've got this issue. So, yeah, uh, here's, I'm not a lawyer, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is not legal advice. However, um, I've spoken to a lot of lawyers about this. And my perspective is that this is all really about commercial intent. So I think what you're doing is you maybe you understand what I understand. And that is that if I ask for a meeting about my thing, mm-hmm. Clearly, that is commercial intent, mm-hmm. right? If I ask for a, a conversation with com- about, about something commercial, like I want a meeting with you. Well, there's only mm-hmm. one reason why I want a meeting with you, right? But if I ask about, you know, a, a facilitative question about your business, you know, what would cause you to rethink this? Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of a conversation, right? I'm asking for a conversation that could lead to a commercial outcome that could lead to a transaction. So that's the way I look at the world is, and that's how I advise my clients is, you know, the intent, the intent of the Canadian and the American and Australian and the European laws is not to stifle outreach. <laughs> it's not, mm-hmm. it's to prevent the abuse of uh, people sending large n- numbers of emails to people. So make sure that you, when you're doing your outreach, that, you know, 
you have, you're asking for a conversation that could lead to a commercial outcome. Yeah. There's no law against growth and growing your business. And, and that's not the purpose. And also, if you, if you look at case uh, law in Canada, in America, in Europe, and in Australia, I, I, what I'm seeing is those people being prosecuted are marketing people. You don't see sales organizations or, or, or salespeople you know, being prosecuted for these laws, for violations. So far, I haven't seen anybody that I know of. So. Got it. Yeah, consult the lawyer. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Molander, anything that we haven't covered here that you think is important to address on the topic? No, just remember that humans, human beings value more what they ask for and they value less what you offer them and push at them freely and say, here's my ebook. The trick is saying so little, even up front, that it piques their interest and it gets them curious about you and how you came to emailing me today with that question or with that observation that you made, which is a really good observation. What are you getting at? Right. That's the, that's the only way that you're going to get people's attention. Brilliant. And then earn a conversation with them. Brilliant. Love that. I just realized I'm calling you Molander, like I'm your gym teacher or like your college buddy. I don't know what it is. Something about the name Molander. So I just, I like Molander. Is that okay? That's good. That's good. That's good. It's all good. We're, I'm comfortable yeah. with you. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hope that's okay. Um, Jeff, tell us, where can people find you and look you up if you want to learn more from you? Uh, sure. Uh, the, the main site, the content site is makesocialmediacell.com. And the company name is Communications Edge. We give you a Communications Edge. Love it. We're going to drop links to that in the show notes as well as a link to your LinkedIn profile. People can look you up and follow you there as well. Um, Jeff Molander, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much, Ahmed. I look forward to um, collaborating in the future. Likewise. All the best. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step -step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number, either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.